Bright Suns, you're now listening to the Star Wars Friends Podcast on the No One Is Listening Podcast Network. Punch it, Chewie! What have we here? Hello there. Morning, Senator. Greetings, my We are the ones who guard the power. We are the middle. The beginning. <laughs> with the Star Wars friends on social media at SW Friends Show. That's at SW Friends Show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Email the Star Wars friends at show at starwarsfriends.com if you have a comment or question you want us to read live on the show. Now, here are your hosts, the Star Wars Friends! Hey, what's happening, boys and girls of the internet world? My name is Christopher Meriden, and you are listening to the Star Wars Friends Podcast on the No One Is Listening Podcast Network. And joining me on this very special podcast are my Star Wars friends. I'm Josh, and I'm really glad that Black Spire was the last book that I finished. Nice. Uh, This is Justin, and I'm living in a world where Star Wars Galaxy's Edge exists, and I cannot go right now. Oh, no bueno. It's painful, but you know, we'll get through it. You'll get there eventually, uh, for sure. I I have faith in the Force that you will eventually get there. Uh, But this, guys, this is a very special episode. I am so excited. I'm so incredibly excited because, as we've talked about in the show, we are the novel, like, we come from the novel generation, and we are avid Mm -hmm. book readers. We read literally every format of book, and I couldn't be more excited and delighted to welcome our guest to the show today, our New York Times bestselling author, super awesome, our newest Star Wars friend, Delilah S. Dawson. Thank you, Delilah, for joining us. How are you doing today? I am awesome. How are y'all? Holding up. Great. (laughs) We're here. Yeah, absolutely. So um, with everything going on in the world, how... How are you holding up? What area of the country are you in? Are you under a, a stay-at-home order? You know, what's going on? How are you getting through this? Sure. So I am in uh, Tampa, Florida, uh, a state where our governor only decided today that it might be good to tell people to stay mm. home as they did. Yeah. So I have been self-quarantining since I believe the 13th. I have an autoimmune disease, so I oh. haven't left the house. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I have learned all sorts of uh, fun hacks regarding um, how to get, and I can't eat gluten again, autoimmune, so like I'm having to like, I have vegetables and gluten-free bread and like I had to do a Whole Foods delivery. It is the most uh, heart, like very challenging trying to eat when you have, when you have food issues during a quarantine, but I'm, Mm. we're happy. Um, It's hot, beautiful weather. I'm getting lots of gardening in. I've got lots of like vegetables going. Um, I am writing my my next book that we announced recently. Not a Star Wars book, sadly, um, but it's it's about a pandemic. So I'm learning a lot. Wow! <laughs> wow! 
And then my husband, my two kids are home, so we're all we're all just chilling. Good, good. And uh, so everyone's healthy. Everyone's you know making the best of it. Are your kids? Are they away from school? Does the state of Florida have a uh, you know like in the state of Ohio? Like my niece and nephew, they can't go back to school till I think it's May first, um, and mm-hmm. that just keeps oh, getting pushed back. You know how are I your- can't. Have- us going back for the rest of the year it would make no sense because i think school's over like may 18th or something so what's the point so we're just assuming yeah. that but yeah they're 10 and 13 they're doing e-schooling and they're doing great at it um it's it's a good system it's all working out for us um so yeah it's like it's 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 as good as it could be i think yeah school's a lot different now than when we were kids <laughs> they all have ipads now for, school. for sure for <laughs> sure uh so you know part of our mission on the star wars friends during this uh qu- this quarantine really i mean nationwide quarantine is to spread positivity and, and to kind of have conversations like this so thank you for joining us this is for the star wars community mm-hmm. and to have these type of engaging conversations to you know just deliver as much content as possible to to all of uh, our star wars friends really around the world so so once again thank you so much for joining us if if you're listening to the Star Wars friends and this is your first time, thank you. Um, I, we're we're very excited, and uh, I might nerd out a little bit. So <laughs> you're gonna see. Well, a thank little... you for asking me. Super glad to be here. All for the the positivity in the Star Wars community. Awesome, yes. awesome. So you are a you are a bona fide, legit, hundred percent fantasy author. So not just Star Wars, but you are you have contributed to so many different IPs in your career. And when I when I was researching your list because i'm a star Wars. i'm just i'm gonna say and i'm a star wars fan kind of host a hardcore star wars show i don't really read much outside of the star wars universe and that's not because i don't want to it's just because i'm kind of in the star wars universe right Um, and also these these years they have so many cool books coming out like you don't have to look outside of the universe if you don't want to Mm-hmm. Right. And you've contributed to so many different, uh, you know, licenses that I, I found it fascinating. I mean, everything from Rick and Morty to Labyrinth. I saw Labyrinth and I was like, what? Like, I'm a huge Henson fan. That was super cool. And then Josh let me know pre-show that you've also contributed to uh, Firefly, which was pretty awesome. Um, so you you definitely have this really, um, really outstanding career outside of star wars so um i definitely want to dive into that a little bit but obviously we are a hardcore star wars podcast and we are fascinated to learn what what your origin story is we all of our guests we always ask them hey what's the first time you got into star wars what's your first movie whatever your first experience is with star wars um you know it's it's different for everybody but it's always just a little bit similar so in your in your words, you know, in, in your story, where did you first learn about Star Wars? What was your first experience with it? Sure. So I was born in the fall of 77. So, of course, I wasn't able to see Star Wars in the theater like a real fan. Um, but it was just kind of ever present, I guess. Um, I mean, I, I remember my grandparents had Star Wars sheets on the bed that I would sleep in and uh, that I had for years after that. So it's like even before I'd seen the first Star Wars movie, I, I had the sheets. Um, and then, you know, I remember seeing Empire. I think it's back when like movies would come on like Channel 36 on Sunday at three o'clock with like 97 commercials. Yeah. So I think I probably saw Empire even before Star Wars. It's hard to remember. But my my biggest imprint was, remember how they used to do commercials hyping the next big show? And they were like, Battle for the Moon of Endor. Oh, yeah. 
I want to see this. Like all I saw was a little girl and a bunch of murder bears running through a forest. And I was like, I've never been more down for something. Um, and it was like the first thing I was ever allowed to like stay up past nine o'clock to watch. And after I saw it, I was like a percent all in. Like I remember that year I got my, all I wanted was Ewoks. Um, and my parents managed to get three. So I had princess Nisa and Nippet and Pat blue. Yes. So I still have my princess Nisa. I lost her headdress a while back, but, uh, (laughs) That was my Christmas that year. Um, and that was, you know, and then I remember having the uh, the little book that you would play with a record player. Um, oh, yeah. And when it was time to turn the page, R2D would be going like, <laughs> um, so yep. I remember that. Uh, but yeah, it was just, it was always, it was always kind of around. And then, you know, as soon as I could, I saw them in the theater. And then uh, all the prequel things I saw in the theater on opening night. Um, like I was late to Attack of the Clones, or I was. I was late to my wedding rehearsal dinner because oh. of Attack of the Clones. Because that was, we were like, okay, we'll be, you know, it's like the movie ended at like 6.30 and the rehearsal dinner started at 7 and we were like, we'll do the best we can to be there for the <laughs> rehearsal dinner, but they have to wait for us. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we've, we've seen them all in the theater and then all of the new ones too on opening night. Um, but, you know, I, I was I was an introverted kid who had trouble making friends, and I, I wish that we would have the kind of Star Wars merchandise with shirts and things when I was, you know, like in middle school, so I could have found my people. Like, now you yeah. can find your people. It's like, mm-hmm. if you're wearing a Star Wars shirt, there's an 85% chance that you are safe to talk to. And then you go to Celebration, and you're like, this is the family that I've been looking for my whole life. Right. Everybody's yep. Celebration yeah. So nice because it takes so much energy to get there. If you're just going to go there to complain about stuff, people don't bother. So it's just like all people who are super jazzed to be there. Uh, So I'm so grateful for the fandom these days. And like the Star Wars authors are among my best friends. The editors are amazing people. The people that I've gotten to meet through Star Wars are incredible. Like they they let me, I got to meet Gwendolyn Christie last year at Emerald City Comic Con. Like it's incredible. But our whole house is, like, it's it's a very Star Wars house, like, all of our books, and we've got pictures of Phasma. Like, my husband is currently, right now, playing an RPG, a Star Wars RPG with his friends. <laughs> the other room, I'm in a different room, so, like, we're, we're knee-deep. Yeah. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, you, you mentioned Celebration, and I actually, um, you know, I met Josh and Justin, and we have two other hosts on this show as well that couldn't join us, but I actually met these guys at Celebration mm-hmm. last April Aww. in Chicago. We were just standing in line, and you hit it right on the head. I mean, we we went there just to have fun. I mean, these are our people, right? Like, so okay. we just, we had that connection, and we decided to start a podcast just from yeah. randomly meeting at line. So I'm glad that on your end, as an established author, you're feeling that energy too. You're st- you're feeling that same vibe, and that's, you know, I can't, I can't wait for the next Celebration celebration we have our fingers crossed for 2020 um yeah we'll see we'll see what's going I on with that Anaheim and i want to walk to galaxy's edge in right. la right so, glad. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see you know we'll see um we we are holding out hope uh so hopefully you can get to do that uh that would be incredible for everybody that has a chance to go to galaxy's edge for the first time or maybe multiple yeah. times um so okay, but but the question is what were y'all waiting in line for while you met Oh, oh, um, go in. Yeah, it was the first day just to go in. Opening day. And then what was funny is that Kyle, one of our other hosts, um, you know, we were just talking about, hey, what are you going to go in and get? And we both said, like, her universe stuff right at the same time because, like, yeah. we're both big her universe geeks. And, uh, yeah. 
you know, we, of course, Kyle and I just ran right to that line because they had so many great exclusives at that booth. And then Josh, you went over to the Del Rey booth. Am I, am I correct on that? It was like heavy yep. corner to the her universe. Like you could see, I'm making hand gestures, but you could see them. They're like 50 <laughs> feet away. Yeah, no, I was, I'm, my, my number one thing on opening day was getting that uh, exclusive cover of uh, Master and Apprentice by Claudia Gray. I'm, it's like, there's a book I can get nowhere else. Yes, I'll be there. Yeah. So. <laughs> that Del Rey booth was great. They uh, they had a bunch of those uh, novels that you can kind of pick what type of reader you are. And, um, you know, I, I've read every every novel, so to speak, and or every Star Wars novel. I should back that one up. Uh, <laughs> but I've read it all. So I was able to give my uh, my copy out to someone at uh, one of my colleagues at work that has never read a Star, a Star Wars novel. And it kind of opened their eyes up to this whole new world. And and that was a great giveaway that Del Rey had. So yeah, that booth was fantastic. Um, but so we want to know, um, so we can talk about Star Wars for the whole podcast, right? But we also want to know about you as a writer and how you got into it. Uh, obviously, your career has spanned so many different IPs as, as we've already established, but how did you get into it? I'm always fascinated because I, I used to write television shows and and that's just a totally different type of like thinking. And I was a songwriter for a lot of my life, but I could never put together a novel or anything along those lines. So how did you get into it? Did you always know that you were going to be a writer or when did that click? Oh no. I, I grew up thinking that novelists were like nuns and surgeons, people who were like called to their calling and had like this warm glowing aura, <laughs> like, Oh, like you've always known. Um, and I was, I was an artist. Uh, I used to paint murals. I have an art degree. I worked in art, uh, art centers, like nonprofit art centers. And I never, I was a huge reader. Like I was that kid, like I didn't have friends, I had books. And it never occurred to me that a normal human person could just sit down and write a book. Um, but my husband, who I met in college and uh, married in 2002, like I said, right after Attack of the Sith, or, uh, yeah, Attack of the Clones came out, um, he had been writing books for a while. And he asked me to edit them because I was like, I was a very good English student. And so I would edit his books for him. And it was like, wow, he just sits there all night curled up like a gremlin at his computer, typing like a madman who may occur. You know, he must be one of those people. And, you know, it was just like, and he was like, oh, you should write a book. And I tried once and I didn't get past the first paragraph because I couldn't decide what color the heroine's eyes should be. And I was like, if I don't get this right, the whole book is trash. So like, I never finished more than a page, didn't even get a full page. Um, but then after my second kid was born, uh, my son he stopped sleeping when he was about nine months old, which means, of course, that the mom stopped sleeping. Right. I was getting like right. three and a half hours of sleep a night, and I started hallucinating. Um, and I went to my husband, who is a psychologist, and I was like, hey, just out of curiosity, do you hear the rats whispering in the walls? Oh, no. <laughs> he was like, no, let's have a talk. Right. Um, so, you know, the next point, he was like, okay, well, you're going to have a sleep schedule. You have to get more sleep. And he was like, but what you really also need is a hobby. He was like, you spend all day with two children under the age of three. That's all you do. Like, you, and I couldn't paint. You can't paint around small children. Everything is, right. everything is in. So he was like, you need um, a hobby that's, you know, you can do at home right here. You don't need stuff to do. He's like, you should write a book. And I was so out of it. And I was so sleep deprived and my brain was broken. And I was just like, yeah, okay, whatever. Um, and so, you know, I said, I don't know what to write about. And he said, well, what if I just send you a story prompt every day? And whenever one strikes you, you start writing about mm. it. So the first he sent me on the first day was a woman wins a free crow free cruise and hijinks ensue and i wrote 
back to his email and I was like, I can't write about this. I've never been on a cruise and blah, blah, blah. And he was just like, you're more creative than this. And I was like, well, I've been on a ferry. And then I had the idea for my first book, which was terrible. And it started with diarrhea in Greece. And it was such a bad book. But it was like, my brain was so broken that all the things that were like, oh, I don't know how to do this. I'm not a writer. I wasn't tapped to do this. I don't have a calling. How do you write a book? This is scary. What if it's wrong? What if it's bad? What if the eye color's wrong? All of that was gone. And yeah. I was just like, whatever. And so like in three months, I had a book. And it was a huge hot mess pile of white garbage. <laughs> But once you've written a book and you're like, oh my God, I did that. Then you're yeah. like, oh, like an edit. When, once you've edited a book, you know, I got online because I spent all day on a couch with babies, you know, nursing a child on a boppy over a laptop on a Walmart TV tray. And then I was like, all right. So I researched how to get published and I queried my first book and I got 57 rejections. And uh, a couple of very nice agents said, okay, you have some writing skill. This book is a hot mess and it has many fatal flaws. Please let me know when you've written another book. Uh, and I was like, oh, okay. So I started writing the next book. <laughs> and then that book got an agent after 37 rejections. And then the third book sold, which was Wicked As They Come, which I wrote as a like dark steampunk fantasy and it ended up as like a sexy romance. So that's just what happens sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that was, that was my first book was a steampunk vampire paranormal uh, Victorian carnival book. We're all for it. <laughs> so it was based on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. There you go. There you go. So, and, and as you were kind of talking about this, and, 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 you know, obviously rejection is part of this whole process, but oh, yeah. as you were learning how to be a novelist and, and going through those, those, I guess, growing pains, so to speak, did you, did you have sort of a, an affinity for fantasy? Did you always, did you kind of know that you were going to be a fantasy writer and kind of go that direction? Well, I mean, that's, that's mainly what I've always read and written and, and the things that have really touched me. Like when I look back at my really formative books, it was Watership Down, uh, Miss of Avalon, um, the Earth's Children series by Gene Owl with Clan of the Cave Bear. Like, yeah, Stephen King got in there too, but it was mostly fantasy. Um, so it, it was always kind of in my DNA. Like it's, it's very hard for me to write a book that doesn't have some element of fantasy unless I've taken some part of life and like really twisted it. Like I have a book called hit. that's about, you know, if banks bought all the debt in America and turned debtors children into assassins, oh. so there's no actual magic, but there is like a, what if you're, you know, it was based on the Apple terms of service where you're like, Oh, if I don't accept the TOS, I have to junk my iPod. And then I was like, all right, I guess I agree. You could be telling me you could kill me. And I'd be like, Oh, I agree. Right. No one you know, needs those. An element of fantasy as well. That's great. So, so you have your first book, um, "Wicked as They Come," and that's that's about 2012 is when that was published, correct? So, and it marked the 2012. So it's been like exactly hey, eight years. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so you have this book, and then uh, you know you're carrying on. Where where does your journey take you after that? After that first book gets published, what are your next few milestones? What are you, in in your opinion, in, in your view, what were those next few milestones that you achieved, or or did you have goals that you set out to? to achieve and did you achieve them oh i mean it's very much like a video game where you level up and you're like oh okay like which boss can i fight now i am here for it nice. i have new power um so yeah my first book sold in a three book series at auction which is really exciting for a new author so i went to see the you know the original offer you know it ended up basically 10 times that was what i got for my first series wow. uh, which had locked me in for three years of books but at the same time my poor little brain was like oh god but in 2015, I don't have a book. 
So um, in between books, I wrote more books and then I sold those books. And it was, you know, just if I wasn't writing a book that was, you know, already paid for, I was writing the next book to sell because writers always have to be um, kind of looking at the future. Like the book you write today will be out in one to two years, maybe even three. Um, So it's definitely not a thing where, you know, if you want a career as a writer, the money does not come in. It's not like every week someone pays you or every two weeks someone pays you. The money is so random and so strange and you never know when it's going to be. So you definitely always have to be writing the next thing, which I also find very helpful in that um, it's like, you know, you always have hope. You always have a hope of things that are happening. Um, Most writers, once you have books coming out, you're dissatisfied with something with your cover or your marketing budget, or if you you realize that nobody, you know, very few people get to go on tour. Very few people get that or cut out at Barnes Noble. And then you're just like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to start the next book and that one's going to get the marketing buy-in. So it's kind of a an obsessive sort of uh, thing. And, you know, um, my buddy Kevin Hearn and I, we started a podcast recently to talk about writing stuff like this. It's called Ask the Bards because we both recognize that, like, when you're starting out your career as an author, you have all these questions and you don't know who to ask. Like, there's no... You can Google, like, how do I get an agent? But there's all these other questions that you're yeah. like, how would I even Google that to find the answer that someone has already given? Because it's kind of terrifying as a new author. You don't know what's normal. I remember I didn't hear from my first editor for six months, and I was, like, anxious about it every day. And then finally one day I just emailed my my agent, and she was like, yeah, this is normal. You shouldn't have been anxious about this yeah. for six months. We could have solved this in 30 seconds. Like, please ask me your questions. I don't want you to be tortured. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's great. So, so what is the name of the podcast? We'll just get it out there again and we'll make sure that we, we retweet it. Uh, where can they find it? Um, it's called ask the bards. Uh, cause we write, we write like a fantasy series together about bards, the tales of Pell. So ask the bards.com. And then you can find it on like Apple, you know, podcatcher, scorchify, spatulum. I don't even know. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Everything has either the word pot or sketch in it, but they're all there. Okay, cool. Uh, perfect. Yeah, we, we like to answer people's questions because you're just like, how would I even question this? But yeah, it's, I found so many answers um, online from agent and editor blogs, and I reached out on Twitter to other writers. Like that was when I met Chuck Wendig in like 2009 or 10 before even either of us were published when we were kind of in the wow. same, like reaching out to another high school freshman and being like, oh God, you're terrified? So am I. Yeah. Let's be terrible <laughs> together. That's not, I mean, that sounds like a great service. I remember, you know, I've tried to write books. I've definitely tried to get into it. And I, I have a friend named Tom Maxwell, who's a published author. And uh, I, I had to seek him for advice. And he kind of gave me a couple directions. And there's really not a lot of, at least back when I tried this in like 2014, 2015, there weren't a lot of resources out there. So I think that's a great starting point for a lot of people to reach out to you for that. So mm-hmm. that's, I mean, kudos to you um, mm-hmm. and to Kevin. Well, that's, uh, you know. uh, people really helped me out when I was just starting out, like everything I know about publishing I learned for free online um I don't have an MFA I didn't go to writer school I don't have a friend in New York it was just um you know doing my research on the internet so I've kind of got the standing thing it's like if you if you really want to know the answers to writing questions like I have a list of resources on my website which is whimsydark.com um where I have all the things I used to get published but like if you have an ungoogleable writing or publishing question if you tweet it at me I will most likely answer it if it's awesome. if it's asked and you know in good faith yeah. basically that's great. Got to help the next crew up. And like with, with Star Wars authors, I'm always like, if you get tapped to write Star Wars, you can't tell anyone for like three to 18 months, like reach out to me secretly. And I will like hold your hand through this because you're not <laughs> alone and you're allowed to tell me because I'm not going to tell anybody, but like, it's, it's so weird. You can't tell anybody for a while. And you're like, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. 
So that's actually a perfect segue to my next question is how did the Star Wars opportunity come to be uh, where, you know, just walk us through that process, because there are so many people. And I know there will be people that listen to this podcast that are listening for you. And, and as far as what your experience is, you know, what does that look like? Well, I mean, I'll say it started, um, you know, I've always I've always I've got a lot of fandoms. Um, and I didn't think it was possible for me to do that. Again, I thought that these people had golden auras and knew from the time they were born that they were born to do these things. But in my second year of writing, I got an email that I had to send to my agent saying, is this some kind of a hoax (laughs) from Amazon, from someone at Amazon um, saying that they were starting a program called Kindle Worlds that was super secret. And if I would want to write a short story for them. And so I got to write um, a story for Valiant Entertainment called Shadow Man, Follow Me Boy. But that was my very first IP project. Of course, Kindle Worlds is dead now and my story is dead with it. But that was my first uh, my first intro to the point where I was like, oh, this sounds fun. And they were like, great, we need you to write 20,000 words in nine days. And I was like, <laughs> challenge accepted. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's how we paid for the roof that year. Nice. Um, but yeah, so I, I think a lot about IP, uh, you have to have some traditional publishing sales under you or more than 30,000 books sold in, in uh, indie publishing to, to get that kind of attention, but you also sometimes have to start with the smaller projects. Most people do not go directly to Star Wars. You 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 don't start at Boardwalk. You start at those <laughs> little green properties. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I started with with Shadow Man. Follow Me, Boy was my first one, and I had to do a lot of reading because, like Star Wars, I've been in this world, soaking in this world since since I was you know like three basically. But yeah. other properties for IP, like it takes a lot of work to get up to speed. Um. So, yeah, that was my first piece. And then I kind of started realizing, like, oh, okay, I could do this. And then my friend Chuck Wendig tweeted that he wanted to write a Star Wars book. And then they invited him to write a Star Wars book. Wow. And I was like, oh, is it that easy? <laughs> All right. I, and I'm tweeting, like, I would also like a Star Wars book, yes. please. Yes. And they uh, jump on my offer quite as fast as Chuck's. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I... Um, Actually, I was walking through Walmart one time. We lived in a, the rural town of Dahlonega in Georgia, and I saw this cupcake in Walmart, a single cupcake on the shelf that was a white cupcake with a Darth Vader ring in it, like this big black plastic ring. And I was like, okay, I'm going to buy this cupcake back when I could eat gluten. And I put it in the freezer, and I was like, when I get to write a Star Wars story, I will eat this cupcake. And this is like my dark magic, my Darth Vader yes. Sith magic. Like, let's make this happen. And every day I would like look at it and be like, let's let's do it, Darth. Like bring it. And every day <laughs> oddly enough, I didn't get a call from, you know, Star Wars. And then finally one day I was like, screw this. And I was like, <laughs> like kind of bit of like FOMO rage. Yes. Uh, and uh then like two weeks later I got the email to write a perfect weapon, uh, the Bazine Natal story. Um, but then also behind the scenes, like I'd asked my agent to reach out to Delray editors. I said to several of my friends who wrote for Star Wars, like, hey, if they should need a writer like me or if there should be a moment at the bar, like, don't don't put your neck out there. But if there is a moment you could mention my interest, that would be very kind of you. Um, so, you know, I guess a combination of, of all of those those things uh, hopefully made it work. And I, I wrote some other IP things in between, I seem to think. I can't remember... I don't have a good memory. I'm like a goldfish timing wise, but I'm fairly certain I didn't go straight from Shadow Man to Star Wars. Right. Like, 
um, probably had some comics in the middle there, but yeah, so I got the, the email to write the perfect weapon, uh, which was the first story leading into the force awakens. Yeah. And that was pretty fun because I was like, when will you send me the giant Star Wars tome? Or like, boom, it's like that family Bible you think that you're going to throw down on the table. And I'm like, when will you send me the Holy Bible? And they're like, there's not one, make it up. So I go to my shelf and I pull down all my old monster manuals and RPG manuals and, uh, you know, ships and scoundrels and my Clone Wars characters books. And I'm like, all right, which of these are canon? And they're like, nothing, make wow. it up. Yes. And I was like, what can you tell me about my character? And they're like, here's a single photograph. <laughs> and I was like, can wow. you give me anything else? And they were like, oh, just Google The Force Awakens spoilers. And I was like, no. Whoa. <laughs> Want wow. to be spoiled. Please just tell me what I need to know. And they're like, nothing. Do it. Wow. That was, was absolutely fascinating. It was. And, you know, my, my first, you know, Star Wars stories, you don't just write a story and send it to them. There's a series of you write pitches, they doctor the pitches, you agree on a pitch, you write an outline, you argue over the outline, they agree on the outline. My pitches were like, OK, what if she was a night sister of Dathomir who wrote Rancors? And they're like, no, try again. <laughs> like, I was trying so hard to, like, go to the stuff that like, oh, I know this. I love this. And they were like, make it up. And I remember being like, well, what planet would she be from? And back then, like, Jakku was the only word we'd heard, you know? We'd yeah. seen, like, the Lego Angie Club at, at Jakku. And I was like, she's from Jakku. And they're like, Jakku is garbage. Pick something else. Wow. Uh, so I was, and I was like, and I named, like, ten plants. They're like, just make one up. And I was like, you just told me wow. to make up a planet. You understand I'm a god now. <laughs> right. We're like, sure. They were like, yes, please just do that. So, yeah, that's where we came up with them. Um, Shocktill and Bashku and yeah, it was, it was amazing. That is that is a dream for so many Star Wars creatives just to have Star Wars say, "Hey, yeah, go ahead and create it." Like I couldn't even if I had that conversation, I I couldn't believe it. That is absolutely fascinating. Um, well, but it's also kind of terrifying. Like you, we we need parameters, we need reference materials, we need to know where we stand to have something like Star Wars say make something up is um, it's pretty scary. Like I don't think you could do that without several years of uh, IP and general writing under your sure. belt to where, yes, I am confident that I can come up with a planet name that isn't dumb. <laughs> hey, this is Dominic Pace, who played Gecko the Bounty Hunter from The Mandalorian. Happy to be your Star Wars friend. You're listening to the Star Wars Friend Show. you be an angel for a helpless baby Yoda? Every day, baby Yoda is chased by bounty hunters and abused by scout troopers, and he's crying out for help. Please click the subscribe button on your screen and join the Star Wars friends with a monthly gift right now. For only 60 calamari flan a month, you'll help rescue baby Yoda from their abusers and provide food, shelter, Jedi training, and Beskar armor. Subscribe now and follow us on Twitter in the next 30 minutes to receive this tweet with a gif of Baby Yoda, who's been given a second chance thanks to you.
Baby Yoda needs our help. So please, subscribe, rate, and review right away. This is Darth Vader, Dark Lord of the Sith, and you are listening to the Star Wars Friends Show. Do not underestimate the power of this podcast. We hope you're enjoying this interview of author Delilah S. Dawson on the Star Wars Friends. Subscribe to the Star Wars Friends for weekly episodes featuring the latest news, in-depth analysis, fan questions, and conversation on all things Star Wars. Don't forget, leave us a review on whatever podcast app you're listening on. Now, back to the Star Wars Friends. So, so you you do the perfect weapon. You're given kind of a clean slate. You you are yep. you are very godlike, and you get to create this incredible you know journey. And you are you are one of the first voices that the Star Wars community hears in this journey to the Force Awakens, which for almost all of us was just an incredibly magic time. So oh, yeah. you know that is that is impressive in its own right. And then you move on through the Star Wars galaxy, and and you write Phasma, which is obviously a character that we all know and you know that is i've had questions about that for a while i know that this is the first time that we're able to speak but you know the process behind phasma you know how far back did you have to go once again did they give you just hey go ahead and make it up uh what does that look like because phasma is one of those characters that we just didn't have any story on and we weren't given that and you filled in those gaps for us so was it you know, your was it your vision or was it a collaborative process, kind of like what you were explaining, um, you know, sending in those pitches, etc. Um, that is just fascinating to me that you were able to write this story on a, a well-established Star Wars character. Um, so what was that like? It was awesome. Um, yeah, that was super fun. So I got to fly out to San Francisco for that one and go to the Lucasfilm uh, offices. The Presidio, which is like one of the most magical days of my life. Um, and I, okay, so, you know, writers, we, most of us, we don't have this great memory for like names and faces. Like we live in our heads basically and we make up stories. Um, and then of course, you know, the people that I talked to about one story, I had different editors for the same one and you get, you get 50 emails, but basically I, I, my taxi got lost on the way there because they'd given me the freight entrance. <laughs> so I'm driving around and I was like, they said, look for the Yoda. And the taxi is like, I don't know what you're talking about, lady. Right, right. <laughs> Finally find it. You're running in. I'm like five minutes late. And this nice guy greets me, says his name is Michael. And he lets me, you know, I look around the lobby and there's like a Boba Fett suit and a Darth Vader suit and all these amazing artifacts and he takes me back and we're just chatting and they have their own uh, coffee shop in their office Ooh. called Java the Hut. And he's like, Oh, get whatever you want. So I get like this, you know, gigantic, like, you know, I asked for like, you know, they had a special latte that was like salacious crumb, raspberry, white chocolate latte or whatever. And he's like, Oh, and I was like, Oh, tall is fine. And he's like, no, get the big one. So I've got like this, you know, I'm making very large hand gestures. Like, I got, like this train to, you know, latte from Java the Hut and we go introduce me people because the first thing I had to do is read the script which you have to check out from someone um it's on red paper it's got like pencil notations on it like oh we scratched this scene or oh this changed I'm sitting in the middle of their office where people pass by me constantly as I read the most like intimately emotional thing I've ever seen in my life like I'm reading The Last Jedi before anyone has wow I get about halfway through and I realize that I have drunk my 30 ounce Java the Hut (laughs) beverage And I'm like, oh, my God, (laughs) I have to go check this in with the dude or I'm going to pee myself on their couch. (laughs) 
And I go to his room and he's not there. And I was like, oh, God. And like looking around for potted plants. I don't know what to do. Like you cannot get with you into the restroom. Yeah, it was it was it was fun. Um, Finally, I found someone to lock the thing in the drawer for me. But yeah, so like go there. Do not drink a 30 ounce thing before reading a script. (laughs) But I I wasn't allowed to take any. I couldn't take my phone or my laptop. I was only allowed to take handwritten notes. Um, so no one can read those, which is fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I read the whole thing. Like I'm sitting there bawling in their office. Um, just tears. The Leia moment. I was yeah. just. Ah, and people yeah. walk me and like, oh, I got to the Leia moment. I'm like, oh, yes. <laughs> she could have done this the whole time. Um, yeah. And then I get to the part with, you know, the Phasma scene. I think y'all have probably seen the deleted scenes by now. Oh, yeah. um, that read the script. It had a lot more in it than what we saw on the screen about the interactions with, with Finn and Phasma, but I, I knew what happened to her. Um, and that, that kind of all factored into it. And then we went into, once I, you know, read it one and a half times, taking all these notes, we went into like a big conference room and then kind of hammered out the ideas. But basically, you know, the general idea was kind of Mad Max in the Star Wars universe and, you know, Phasma, how Phasma became Phasma. And there was, you know, a lot of, a lot of freedom in that, but we did lose, uh, you know, most books, your outline might just be a couple scenes or ideas or the beginning, middle, end. But Star Wars books, uh, they want to know everything that happens pretty yeah. much. I mean, Alexander Freed, his outlines are like 40,000 words. Wow. <laughs> he, he's so organized. Um, but mine, we'd gotten to like this 14-page single-spaced uh, outline. And then one day I came home from whatever I was doing there's this huge box of cookies on my front porch. And I was like, wow, somebody sent me cookies from New York. This is crazy. And I'm like, there's no note. There's no anything. And I'm like, should I eat these? Are they poison? And then I get the the email. that's like, dear Delilah, by now you probably have realized we have bad news. We'd lost the whole outline. Whoa. What? Somewhere in the star Wars universe. So we had completely over from scratch. Oh my goodness. So it ended up okay, you know, like we always, we always found our way, but no, it's, it's like the whole process is, uh, it's challenging. It's very, it's like the journey in Phasma. It's very challenging and it's a race to the end, but if you're tough, you can make it. Oh yeah. That was going to be one of my questions actually, because you said Mad Max, it was like Mad Max in the Star Wars universe, right? And as, as I'm reading the book, part, one of my questions was where did you take a lot of your inspiration for that phasma novel because as i'm reading through it it seems very uh, ancient egyptian kind of with the the scarabs and the beetles right and this giant sand desert that they have to go through and they come across these oases of little uh bases of robots you know as they move through it um but and then kind of the the uh what do i want to say the essence right that they would take from their own people to use for other things it seemed very ancient Egyptian in, in my mind. So one of my questions was just, where did you draw that inspiration from? And was that one of those things? Okay. So here's, here's the fun thing. I originally had them as cannibals. Oh, <laughs> uh, I was like, nice. they have to eat their family. Like that's Whoa. how when somebody dies, like you don't dishonor them, you eat them. And star Wars was like, let's step back a bit. Yeah. And I was like, okay, okay, that's cool. That's cool. They drink their blood. And star Wars was like, no, try again. <laughs> <laughs> and eventually we came up with this idea of, you know, like of withdrawing their essence that feels very Dune to me. It's like the Fremen suit mm. where it, re, re, it takes your juices and makes them helpful. Yes. So it pulled a little bit from a lot of our favorite Sandy world. So it's got, like that maybe felt very Dune to me. And the Beatles, uh, the mummy, 
You know, I love the money. Yep. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, is where that came from. And, um, I think, uh, at some point my husband was like, Oh, you have to have a cargo cult. Like you have to have <laughs> something like that. Cause he plays all the fallout movie or fallout video games. And, um, yeah, so it's like a little bit here, a little bit there. Um, the, the book, I am legend more than the movie. Some of the scenery mm. in there would see if the world got destroyed. Um, yeah, so it's like just pulling from all the things, all of the things that uh, one might love. Um, and even like the, the scene with um, Randorus with the gladiatorial fighting, like gladiator, of course. Yeah. But um, Randorus is uh, the character that my husband had been playing in SWOTOR for years. Um, oh. And he had, oh. and so his name was Randorus and he had like this helmet with like horns on it. So I, I made that into one of the characters. That's awesome. Nice. That's awesome. I'm glad you, I'm glad you said Mad Max and then you said Dune because that's definitely the vibes that I got reading um, reading the novel. I, I'm so happy you said that because now I'm actually talking to the author. I'm like, okay, cool. She's confirming uh, like my thoughts on this. So, um, no, David Lynch Dune, like I grew up watching the David Lynch Dune and I, I loved it. It's insane, but I love it. Yeah, David Lynch is is one of, I mean, if not my favorite creative, he's one of my favorite creatives. So, um, kudos to anyone that references David Lynch. I mean, that's just awesome. So, Phasma was incredible. We enjoyed Phasma a lot, and you gave a lot of life to that character that wasn't there. So that was really cool, and I know a lot of fans appreciated that. But the other big project that you tackled, and I and I just recently raved about this book, was the Black Spire book because I my fiance and I just went to our first Galaxy's Edge trip uh, early late February, early March, so right before Disney closed down, and we just had the most incredible time. And I read the Black Spire book when it first came out. And I'm just wondering because that book came out, you know, before the park was open and it really is just, it's a, it's a fun book that gives insight, not only into the park, it kind of like, it almost sells the park in a way, but also you create these wonderful characters and it's, it's a, just a very unique book in its own right. I mean, it really is a unique book. How did that process come about? Were you given like the last Jedi red page script? Were you kind of given an insight into galaxy's edge and what the, the framework was going to be? Because you ultimately, you wrote the story on the backstory of galaxy's edge, which is pretty incredible that you have that imprint on Disney parks. So what was that like? Um, well, towards the end of, um, you know, after I'd written Phasma, after I'd edited Phasma, when it was kind of like out of my hands and we had maybe one round left of, uh, all right, motorcycle, <laughs> uh, like one round left of copy editing. My editor called me. Well, no, she didn't call me. We don't call people because this is 2020. She emailed and was like, Hey, how would you feel about, changing this character's name because they're thinking about using her in the parks. And I was like, yeah, hundred percent, whatever you want. That's great. Do it, do whatever Disney wants. Like that's fine. Um, you know, oh. so yeah. So I guess Vi's original name was Amaka. It was Amaka oh. Marathi. Hmm. Um, and so they wanted to change it to Vi, which I was like, it's kind of weird because now we have Siv and Vi and both of those names have I and B. And she was like, Oh, well, and I was like, yeah, cool. Whatever. Disney can have whatever they want. Um, and so they, they changed it and I didn't get to see the book again. Uh, but I just assumed it was taken care of. Um, and then we didn't know anything was going to happen. We didn't know if anything would ever come of it. And then they did a, the star Wars, like galaxy nights at Disney world, like a special preview thing. And she was printed on a card that you could get. And she looked like black Barbie. And it was like, fine, Marathi faces off the stormtroopers. And we were like, whoa, (laughs) does she know? Yeah. Like they, they didn't, they didn't inform us of any of these things. Like nobody sent any emails. We just kind of 
somebody popped it up in my feed and I was like, holy crud, are you serious? Wow. Um, so yeah, like I don't even, I never got a card, you know, there's very little communication. It was out of our hands. Um, but then we got, we, we toyed with the idea, like, wouldn't it be fun to do a, you know, a Phasma sequel or, you know, just getting to follow Vimerati after that and see what she was up to. Mm, yeah. Um, and then we realized that we could kind of do both with this when they wanted Galaxy's Edge to be the Vi, to be Vice story. Um, and they had certain things from the, you know, the land, but I was allowed a ton of room in the actual story there. Um, so I, I got sent this huge dossier, um, and Zoraida Cordova, if you've talked to her, we, we both shared this information. It's like, then we got the Bible, it's 169 <laughs> um, it's PDF, and it was not, there was no index, there was no nothing, there were, like, you didn't know what was in there. So you're like, oh, what, you know, where's, what was Mubo from again? Like, you just had to scroll yeah. for like 30 minutes until you found it. There was no way to search or anything. <laughs> So it was quite a document. You couldn't print it. It had like it was. It was impossible to print. Impossible to copy. It was. Uh, you couldn't download it. It was. It was like this very rare thing. Um, but yeah, it was pretty funny. Like at some point, I was like, "Okay, if you want me to describe this, you have to give me a map." And there was like, "Oh, there's a map in your dossier." And I was like, "Yes, it's four inches by three inches, and it <laughs> won't expand. So I can't. I can't read it. You want me to describe a path, and I can't. I can't read it." And I was like. I could be at Disney World in an hour and a half if you'll just let me look at a model or a real map. Yeah. And they were like, no. <laughs> wow. Crazy. So uh, there was uh, there were definitely some points that were very challenging and things were constantly changing too. Like we would get a different amendment to the PDF where things would change. Uh, so it was it was really like working on a, a living changing diet. Okay, I see we have questions. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, so mine was going to be, you had mentioned uh, you had worked with uh, Chuck Wendig a little bit. Um, when, when you're doing these novels that kind of cross um, different characters, right? So Chuck had uh, Brendel Hux, right, in the Aftermath Empire's End novel, which was used in, in the Phasma novel. And then you've got Vi who transfers over into Black Spire. Do you work pretty closely with those authors uh, for backstory or character development or things like that and go, hey, you know, I want to use this character. Can I take them this direction? Or if somebody wants to leverage one of your characters, do they reach out to you in that fa- in that same fashion? Oh, I moved into Chuck's murder shed and just <laughs> no, I didn't. I'm um, Chuck and I are good friends. Uh, so they did send me. I, I believe at that point in time, Empire's End wasn't out yet, so they sent me like an early copy of Empire's End to help me out, which was an enormous help. And I'm also I'm in that book. I am canonized. Delillo Dawson is like a hey she's yo. a resistant. Oh, nice. Yes, we love we love tuckerizing each other, which is why the Gand and Phasma is named Chirk. Ah, um, <laughs> killer. Yeah, so we that are give us any information that we need, and then if we have specific questions, we can reach out to the other authors and ask them questions about it. Zoraida and I emailed back and forth while we were working on this because we didn't want to, you know, if, if I said, "Oh, you know, this is definitely." you know, a, a, a spoo-spoo tree that was planted in, you know, 76 right. BC, she couldn't be like, oh, yes, that's the Tongan tree. Like, so we had to, <laughs> there was some back and forth when we double-checked. And, like, when I was writing um, Scorched for Scar Wars and Cider um, about uh, Greer Sunel, I, I reached out to Claudio with some questions. So we all kind of have a, you know, most mm-hmm. of the, all the Star Wars writers I know in the kind of newer generations are, like, very open, kind, helpful, and we all want it to be as good as it can be, so we're all very open to that sort of thing. That's cool. awesome. Cool. So I I just wanted to say that uh, um, I 
waited to read Black Spire because I didn't know when I was going to get to go to the park. And then I, f- I finally read it recently, having no idea that it was going to be a sequel to Phasma. And it was just a really incredible surprise because I really loved the whole like telling a story within another story that you did in Phasma by like telling the telling Phasma's story through the story with Cardinal and Vi. And so to, to see to be able to see where both of them went was really uh, exciting for me. So. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Yeah, that was definitely one of those, you know, where you kind of, they're like, they give you, they say to you like, oh, we just need you to build a storage locker. And you're like, oh my God, I'm going to build the storage locker of my dreams. Like yeah. it will function as a storage locker, but it's going to be, you know, like hot pink and levitating and sing songs. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was, I was really appreciative that my editors were on board with uh, Black Spire, you know, telling the story that Star Wars wanted to tell about the land as an introduction of a walkthrough covering all those bases, filling in on the back characters where you can actually see Oga and Mubo, whereas you don't see on the land, Zabaka, all that. Um, But my editors were really on board where I was like, we just spent a whole book torturing this woman. She's not going to be just blithely skipping around and emotionally healthy. (laughs) Like her body's messed up. Like she's in her thirties, you know, like her Bacta can't fix everything. So it's like, she's going to be messed up, traumatized, in chronic pain, yeah. and then poor old Cardinal is trying to get deprogrammed. He's off all of their, you know, stems and vitamins for the first time. He doesn't have healthy discussions around trauma or emotions. Like these are two broken people right. who hate each other and now have to work together. So they really let me kind of explore that. And I, I'm pretty open online about like I am a traumatized individual with chronic pain. <laughs> so there was a lot of, you know, definitely a processing your own issues while hopefully reaching out to other people experiencing the same thing. Like some of the things that they said to buy at the time, I had um, a pinched nerve in my back while I was writing part of the book. So I was writing like on my back on two heating pads with a special pillow, um, you know, with an upside down desk or whatever. And my doctor was like, you have the spine of a 90 year old woman. And I was like, that's why it feels so bad. Thank you. So (laughs) someone said that to buy, like that was a direct quote. Wow. But you know, it's about veterans and it felt to me like it was the right time to say like hey veterans are dealing with trauma and pain it it doesn't go away because you'd like to read an adventure yeah so to go with um to go back to phasma real quick because getting the story of phasma and how how she rose to power she really kind of rose quickly after that through brendel and armitage and then dispatching cardinal pretty quickly as Josh would say, she got the Boba Fett treatment in, uh, in uh, stealing my yeah. lines. <laughs> um, if she had not got the Boba Fett treatment, where do you think she would have gone, or how 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 high do you think she could have climbed in that chain? Because I mean, really, beyond Kylo and and uh, Snoke, I mean, there was she had a, a thirst for power, and it seemed that she wa- always wanted more. Yeah, well, I mean, my my party line whenever someone asks me about this on Twitter is hashtag show me the body. Oh, yeah. I mean, if the Emperor and Darth Maul survived, I think Basma could have survived with that was wearing, you know, the armor of the the Naboo ship. Like, so, yeah, I I have it in my head that she, like, escaped, cut her losses and ran because it was going Mm. downhill. And it's Mm. like working her way up as a petty minor warlord on some nearby planet that has, you know, kind of been ravaged by uh, this cataclysm and, you know, isn't recovering well. And she's like, oh, I can take advantage of this. When, yeah, when's like, that book, when's that book coming write, out? Like, <laughs> I know, right? Like, that's <laughs> it's just called Warlord. Yes. And I write a voice. 
I'm on board. I'll, I would I'll love tweet, to tell in her point of view, because like we purposefully made Phasma, the book, more of a Scheherazade, Thousand and One Night story, you know, where you don't, until that last chapter, you're not in her head, so you never quite know what she's thinking, but like, I would love to do a book literally from her viewpoint. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's incredible. Why don't, why don't we uh, start tweeting uh, Gwendolyn Christie and get a Disney Plus series going? There you go. We hope you're enjoying this interview of author Delilah S. Dawson on the Star Wars Friends. Subscribe to the Star Wars Friends for weekly episodes featuring the latest news, in-depth analysis, fan questions, and conversation on all things Star Wars. Don't forget, leave us a review on whatever podcast app you're listening on. Now, back to the Star Wars Friends. So we got a couple more questions for you. I appreciate the time you're spending with us. And and obviously, you know, great conversation to share with the Star Wars community right now. What is, you know, clearly you're on a hardcore Star Wars podcast, but what are some other (laughs) books that you can recommend to maybe the Star Wars community from your catalog um, that people can dive into? Because, you know, there's a lot of people that are quarantined at home. There's obviously students that aren't in school right now. So what are some books in your catalog that you would recommend um, to anyone that may be not familiar with them because they're not Star Wars related? Sure. Okay. My not Star Wars book. Um, First of all, would probably be, like I said, Hit. H-I-T. Um, it's a YA book that uh, can be read by anyone. It's not, uh, you know, Bella choosing between Edward and the wolf boy. Um, it's about if, if banks bought all of America's debt and tapped the teen children of bad debtors into mercenaries where they get a hit list and a gun and you either kill these people or have them sign a contract to be a mercenary too to get rid of all of the, the dead weight of debt. Um, so that's very like unwilling mercenary um gray jedi on the run sort of thing um i also like if you're into the more horror aspects of phasma and black spire which they have them i have a horror book called servants of the storm about mm. in savannah um it's got a like abandoned amusement parks um that sort of thing um if you like the aspect of kind of the the wild west and a character who takes no uh Takes no poodoo off of anybody. <laughs> and I know poodoo is fodder, but I don't care. I'm oh, still well using. done. Well done. Yeah. Um, I have a book called Wake of Vultures that's written under the pseudonym Lila Bowen. Yeah. Um, it is pitched as Lonesome Dove meets Buffy the Vampire Slayer about a, uh, a shape-shifting cowboy in the Weird West. It's a monster hunt. Um, but that it's very cool. Unrepentant. And then if you, if you like star Wars writers and something completely un star Wars, Kevin Hearn, who wrote heir to the Jedi about Luke Skywalker, oh, who's yeah. one of my best friends. Uh, we write a series called the tales of Pell together. It starts with kill the farm boy. And it is very like Douglas Adams, Terry Pratchett. If you would like some loving fantasy satire that, uh, flips and plays with fantasy tropes, um, it'll give you a good laugh during this terrible pandemic. That's great. So you are you are incredibly uh, diverse and multi talented. Just to have the mind to accommodate the variety of stories that you tell is so impressive to me. Um, that's that's great. Uh, so hopefully, yeah. Oh, I have the, comics too. Have we talked about comics? Yeah. Well, you've definitely done some comics. That was the other thing that popped out to me because that is just a totally different style of writing. Um, so as far as your comics, yeah. What are what are some of your standout comics? What are, you know. How did those come about? Because that's totally foreign from <laughs> novels, right? Oh, yeah. No, that's a fun story. Um, I wanted to write con- comics, and I was having a really hard time. Comics is 
it's the hardest business as a writer to break into because you, mm. you just, unless you have someone to draw your pictures, you can't just put it out there. You can't solicit agents. You generally can't contact editors. So I was having a hard time getting into comics. Um, I was very thankful that um, Calamity John let me be in this boo anthology through Monkey Brain for free for a few years so I could get some practice. My comics had way too many words in them, but bless him for that. Um, but then I was at Gen Con 2015. And there was a panel called Writing Comics for Women that the Mary Sue realized a week early had literally zero women on it. Oh. And they pitched a big, beautiful Mary Sue fit. And so the comic, the, the comics track people freaked out and were like, Delilah, you've written one comic. Would you be on this panel? And I was like, heck yeah, let's do it. That's <laughs> yes. usually my answer. So it was uh, me, Teeny Howard, uh, Jim Zub, Gene Haw. And Chris Robertson on this creating pan- comics for women panel, and uh, it went so upside down. If you Google like the Mary Sue Delilah S Dawson comics for women, and if you read, they did like a two page expose on how badly this panel was run by a moderator who did not think oh, that no. women should be in comics. But the next day, I got an invitation from Boom to pitch. Nice. Senator <laughs> Boom was like, "Oh, you want to write comics? All right." So they let me pitch. <laughs> That became my comic Lady Castle, and I guess they liked working with me enough that they invited me to write Adventure Time yeah, and Labyrinth, and then I got to write Firefly with them as well, and they kind of got my foot in the door. And then because I was the only woman who had written comics and read The Last Jedi, nobody knew who Rose Tico was, so IDW invited me to write some Rose Tico stories for them, and that's how my IDW um, career started. That's wild. Yeah, so- I wrote- then Star Wars Adventures, X-Files, um, I'm writing Wellington with uh, Aaron Mankey, who created Lore. I have my Star Pig creator-owned comic with them. So IDW and Boom, and then Rick and Morty is with Oni, of course. You have entered an elite, uh, <laughs> basically an elite company when it comes to, like, you know, just, I don't want to use the word nerddom lightly. Uh, it is, but you have definitely, you've definitely given voice to so many different incredible um, IPs. I mean, I can't even... I'm just in awe. I mean, that's that's incredible. And then the comic form it is so difficult to write in, and the fact that you've been able to do it. I mean, that's just awesome. So I'm I'm absolutely impressed. <laughs> I did not know about the comic side until I did uh, until I started researching for this interview. I didn't know that you got into that. So that is awesome. Thanks. It's, it's such a privilege. I feel so fortunate. Don't let him fool you. He doesn't even like Firefly. Ah, uh, no, well, I have definitely, I definitely have some, <laughs> with Firefly, uh, I definitely have some qualms with that show. I think it was probably just the era it was created in, but the soundtrack, I've, we had a lot of comparisons of Firefly to Mandalorian, uh, and just kind of going into that, but thanks no. for putting me on the spot, uh, spot, Josh. I appreciate that. <laughs> it's how I show my love for you, buddy. completely different beasts. Oh, they are. They yeah, are. Yeah. They are. I, I tease. I tease. Um, so you You've written in almost every medium. What's on the horizon? What's next? Are you are you thinking of maybe trying to write a television or a movie or a video game? What are you? What's your next challenge? I mean, I'm really excited about collecting eggs for Animal Crossing, but yes. outside of that, yes. um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I don't have like a super huge hankering to write for TV film unless one of my works was going to be like pushed forward at which point I would love to work on adapting it. Yeah. Um, I've, I've had some talks about, Oh, well, would, you know, if you just want to write a script and I'd be, I like, I know that I can sell a book 
if I write a book, there's a good chance I can sell it. That's a good deal for me. But um, right now, the process of learning how to write a script, writing it, and then trying to find a place for it from Florida with two kids where I can't really just be on the West Coast yeah. all the time. I can't be in a writer's room. Um, it's, it's not really convenient, but yeah, no, if somebody bought one of my properties and was like, Oh, would you like to adapt this? I'd be like, I'm already doing it right now. Yes. yes. <laughs> That'd be but, crazy. No, I recently, this year I've sold, um, I guess four books. Um, I sold a series of two book, two adult books to Del Rey, my buddies. Um, one is called the violence and it's about a pandemic where you are struck with this sudden, like hands-on violence where you just kill whoever's nearest you with your bare hands and then wake up with no idea it's happened. Whoa. Um, I'm writing that one right now. Uh, and then I sold a middle grade horror book called mine about, um, a haunted house in a Florida swamp. So oh. I'm kind of focused on books right now after like 29, I guess last year I took on pretty much every comics thing. I have a couple comic pitches out, but, uh, right now I'm really focusing on the prose just for, it's like, it's almost like a vacation at this point. Like comics, you just get emails every single day and prose. I'm like, I've been like three days without an email. This is positively relaxing. <laughs> That's great. Well, you sound busy, which is very, uh, yeah. very awesome to hear. I, as you mentioned, it's tough to be an author and, uh, you know, try to find gigs. So it sounds like you you definitely have no lack of work coming on. So that's that's great. Uh, so, Delilah, it, we we kind of we play this game with our guests and this is a fun game that we like to play and we like to see um, kind of have a little bit of fun with this. This is a this is our Star Wars word association game. And we have fun with it because we like to see a, what comes to mind initially. And then kind of, we, we pit our guests against each other in a friendly game of, Hey, who got more in, in 30 seconds or whatever the time frame is. It's like some kind of American gladiator with a giant Q-tip from like a log. Like put me in Chuck on that. I'll kick his butt. Oh, that would be okay. That needs to be a Disney plus reality show. Let's get the authors in an American gladiator pit. That would be crazy. <laughs> We're all so out of shape. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what would make it great. Uh, so, um, so what's going to happen is I'm going to play some very cheesy cantina band music. I'm going to give you a little taste of it real quick. Is it different dance? There it is. So it's like a Wrigley Field type cantina music. So that'll be our game show music for this segment. And uh, I'm sure you understand word association game, but just in case, uh, for anyone listening, basically I'm going to say a Star Wars character, a maybe a ship, or maybe something else in the Star Wars galaxy, and you just say whatever comes to your mind, and we'll go ahead and move on to the next one. Now, I think our... We had uh, Dominic Pace, actor from The Mandalorian. He, I believe, is in second place right now. He got through 24 of these. And then we had uh, we had another podcast host, Ro. I think he got through the majority of these. But um, Andrea and Lauren from The Galactic Pod, I think, are at 26. So I think you have to get somewhere in the 25, 26 to be in the, the upper echelon of this oh. game. So okay, I'm kind of scared about the ships. I am not good at ships. <laughs> They're not I'm easy. Like, so you tell me what kind of ship, and I will give it a cool name. <laughs> <laughs> well, if well, that's the other thing. If you don't know, just pass. Uh, just hey, pass. I've never heard of the Venerator class, you know, Star Destroyer, whatever. <laughs> so, um, are you ready to play the game? I'm ready. Let's do it. Killer. All right. So we're gonna start off with Luke Skywalker. Boards. Phasma. Big ass. Boba Fett. Deserved better. Lando Calrissian. Billy D. Jabba the Hutt. Uta Maguta. Yes. Darth Vader. Anakin. Ray. Buns. V. Marathi. My 
Dusty. <laughs> Kylo Ren. Ben. Ahsoka. Dono. X-Wing Fighters. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> Carl Weathers. <laughs> uh, Arrested Development. <laughs> Dave Filoni. Pat. John Favreau. Pat Mandalorian. Armitage Hux. Uh, Ginger Weasel. Disney Plus. Mandalorian. Salacious Crumb. <laughs> C-3PO. Book launch party where he touched me. <laughs> Millennium Falcon. Hunk of junk. Din Jaren. Uh, Rando. Ah, Baby Yoda. <laughs> so you got through quite a few here and actually yeah. you uh very creative we, i can totally tell you're an author or something uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> she yeah. should get extra points for making sound effects and being yeah. <laughs> voice. So you're the, she's more? the first one yeah there's more oh there's definitely more oh yeah oh. Mm -hmm. uh, Did I but no i mean so if you want we can just have them for fun yeah, we time it for about a minute and 10 seconds. But some of the other ones, you know, we, we throw in, of course, Ewoks. Oh, oh Princess Nisa. Oh, yeah. We uh, throw in Cardinal. My precious cinnamon roll. <laughs> Thrawn. Thrawn Swanson. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. That's awesome. Yeah, that was, I saw that guy at Celebration. That was so crazy. <laughs> I, took, I think I took a photo with him. That was so oh, great. Yeah. Uh, and then the last one we have here is Life Day. B. Arthur. Oh, beautiful. Yes. Beautiful. Yes. That's great. So thank you for playing and that. And Muffle Park was in that, wasn't he? Yes. Yes, we actually, so I, I have a big love for the holiday special here, and um, I talk about it often, and a lot of the references do not get picked up because I don't think that it's as universally loved as it should be. Uh, maybe Disney Plus will do us a favor and put it on the streaming service. Uh, what Sunday? Yeah. I'm also, you know, I'm a huge proponent of Caravan of Courage, and mm -hmm. uh, I know that UK, the UK just got Disney Plus, and I've actually oddly seen a lot of people in the UK like upset that Caravan of Courage is not on Disney Plus. So that's that's pretty funny. To me. So Delilah, thank you so much for joining us. We do have one final segment here where we're just gonna blow this thing and get out of here. You're all clear, kid. Now let's blow this thing and go All right, that's going to wrap it up for today's interview. Delilah, tell everybody where they can find you online. I am Delilah S. Dawson at Twitter and Instagram. If you want to follow me up, that's the best place to talk to me. If you have a question asked in good faith, I am generally pretty happy to answer it if my NDAs allow it. Um, I have a website, whimsydark.com, where you can find out about all of my books and my bio. And then I have a page called Writer Resources, where if you are a new writer trying to finish, edit a book, anything like that, um, it has all the resources to get an agent, to uh, sell a book that I use to get published. You can go there. Um, 
like to give a big shout out to the Del Rey um, editors and publicists. Everybody at Del Rey and Penguin Random House is amazing. They're the ones who make the Star Wars books happen. Do you ever get Lucasfilm? Um, Mike Sigling, Jen Huddle, um, that whole crew, the story group that supports us, everybody at Galaxy's Edge, all those Imagineers and the people who work there that made it happen, that bring it to life. Um, everybody who reads and, and, and well, you know reviews Star Wars that comes to Celebration and comes to see us at the at the Delray booth, like y'all are, are amazing and we're so glad to see you. And to y'all, for having us and having this awesome podcast about the good parts of Star Wars. It's it's it keeps so many of us afloat and, and it's really awesome that y'all do this. Yeah, we we have a blast. Thank I you. mean it, it literally there was just so much negative unfound negativity in the community and this is a community I, I grew up in and I just I couldn't deal with it any longer. So we had to we had to create our, our version of a, a positive Star Wars podcast and, and you know that's just what it's all about. This community has given me so much, it has given all of us so much. And uh, you know, we why not just have a good time with it and be, you know, super cool to each other and have conversation. That's what it's all about. So this is um this is great. This conversation, Delilah. I, I I full disclosure. I have probably thirty to forty questions I would have loved to ask you. Um, so I would love to have you back on the show at some point so we can get to some of those. Uh, I I know that I would be more than happy to um you know I, I don't know I'd be super over the moon if we got to connect on our, our past crossover celebration. I think that would be cool and fingers crossed that that actually goes down this year. But we are absolutely delighted that you're able to join the Star Wars friends tonight. Uh, and, and mm-hmm. thank you so much and, and hope your family stays safe. You guys stay strong down there in Florida and um, you know, just thank you so much. It, it really means a lot to us. Thanks so much for having me. This has been this has been great. It's so nice to get to talk to human beings I'm not related to during this morning. <laughs> and did y'all want me to announce the winner? Did you want me to oh, do that? Yes, yeah. yes. So on SW Friend Show, you can get uh, you can find us SW Friend Show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And we put up a really cool contest. Uh, all you had to do was just put up a very cool Star Wars GIF. I got yelled at for saying GIF the other day. It's I know, I get it. It's, it can go either way. But, uh, <laughs> we all have a flaw. Right, yes. This is a fatal flaw of mine. Uh, so we, we definitely had a lot of interaction from some really incredible people from all over the world. Yes, this is an international contest. Um, you know, the quarantine is worldwide, so why not? I just... Don't know who the winner is. Josh picked it, and uh, we, we we picked it at random. So Josh put it in the chat here. Uh, Delida, can you see the contest winner? I saw it. I believe it is Kamose Mills. Hey, Kamose hey, Mills. Your awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, congrats. So we'll send you out that Black Spire book, and uh, you'll get that hopefully in just a few days. If you're in America, I can't promise uh, shipping right now internationally, but we'll do our best to get it to you as quickly as possible. So awesome. Thank you, Delilah, so much. Uh, it's you. been a pleasure, and uh, we hope that you enjoy the rest of your evening and that this quarantine and everything else uh, passes by as quickly as possible. So thank you. Thank you so much. Awesome. All right. Well, I definitely want to thank our guest, New York Times bestselling Star Wars author Delilah S. Dawson. This was just such a treat to have uh, Delilah on the show tonight. And hopefully uh, everyone got a little bit of insight, a little bit behind the scenes of what it takes to be a Star Wars creative and author. This was just a fantastic conversation. Uh, What fun. This is cool. This is what it's all about, the Star Wars community. So if you want to connect with us, please do that. You can find us at SW Friends Show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can get us at Star 
Star Wars. Uh, you can email the show at StarWarsFriends.com. You can find us at StarWarsFriends.com as well. And uh, you can, if you're a first-time listener because you checked in to listen to Delilah, thank you so much. It means the world to us. We we have so many different podcasts that you can go back and listen to. We cover The Mandalorian, Clone Wars, books, hot topics. We do interviews with other podcasts. We've interviewed actors. So this is kind of uh, you know a new community that we want to open up. So thank you for checking us out. And uh, we hope to be a positive voice in the Star Wars community for you. If you want to connect with me, my name's Christopher. You can find me at no one is Chris on Twitter. Where can they find you guys? I'm Josh and I'm Battle of Tanab on Instagram and Twitter. I'm Justin. You can find me at I am the Bendu on Twitter. Fantastic. So with that, uh, we want to wish everybody well. Say stay, stay safe, stay strong. This is uh, kind of a wacky time in the world. And with that, may the force be with you. Always. Always. Later, y'all. Hey, friends, don't forget to subscribe to the Star Wars Friends podcast and leave an awesome review on whichever podcast app you're listening on. Catch up on past episodes, fun interviews, and more at StarWarsFriends.com. Connect with the Star Wars Friends on social media at SW Friends Show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Email the show at show at StarWarsFriends.com. Thanks for listening, and as always, may the Force be with you. 